Uh, good morning. Uh, first, I'd like to uh, introduce myself. My name is, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Caleb, and I am uh, the youth minister here at Woodbury. And I'd like to begin by saying uh, Merry Boxing Day. Uh, the Hollies shared with us in the first service that today is Boxing Day. Um, I'm not quite sure what it is, but Merry Boxing Day. Uh, and I hope all of you had a, a good Christmas with friends or with family. Um, and second, I, I want to, I feel obligated in standing in solidarity with my uh, youth ministry um, comrades to uh, say welcome to what is jokingly referred to in the youth ministry world as National Youth Ministers Preach Sunday. Um, there's this running joke that the preaching minister puts in all this work and energy into the Sunday before Christmas. And then the Sunday after Christmas, when maybe there's a little bit of less energy or people are out of town, they say, here, youth minister, you get to preach today. Um, and while that isn't, wasn't Patrick's thought process, it's ironic. So welcome to National Youth Minister Preach Sunday. The past few weeks, we've been in, uh, in preparation for Christmas. Patrick has been going through this uh, series, Peace on Earth. Um, and one of the amazing things that I, I love about Christmas is the time with friends and family, the overall spirit of generosity. But in the, the church sphere and the Christian side of things, we tend to really focus in on uh, just the recognition, the, the symbolical, symbolical recognition of the birth of Jesus Christ and just this acknowledgement that uh, Christ has come. You know, we, we sing the, the Christmas songs, Joy to the World, uh, all these different songs. We, we put up our nativity scenes um, all in preparation for Christmas. And the amazing thing is that even our non-Christian neighbors, are they're kind of tuned into this reality. Whether they participate or not, they're aware of this symbolical significance. Then Christmas comes around, and we come to the Sunday after Christmas, and we're stuck asking this question. Now that Christ has come, now that Jesus is here, what do we do now? Um, we, we have this entire build-up to the coming of Christ that we're stuck with this new question. Where do we go from here? What do we do? And I think it's an important question that we as, as Christians, that we as a church need to be able to answer. And so this morning, uh, I, I like storytelling. Uh, I'm a big fan of stories. And so I want to try to answer this question through the story of the life of the cousin of Christ, John the Baptist. Um, John the Baptist, is, he's a really unique figure in the, the Christian story. Um, I, I tend to think about when you study just how special uh, this family must have been with Mary and with Elizabeth. But to give you the context, in, in Luke chapter 1, Luke is describing this, this prophecy of John the Baptist in his birth. And I think one of the key words that we can really hone in is this idea of expectations. Zechariah, his father, is a priest, and on this given day, he is chosen by lots that he is to go into the temple, and he is to, to burn incense and offering to the Lord. And while he is in the temple, an angel appears to him and tells him that he will have a son, uh, and he is to name this son John. 
Um, you know, they, his wife Elizabeth will be, uh, become pregnant, will give birth, and the need to name the son John. And then the reaction that is relatively similar to that of, of Abraham and Sarah from Genesis is Zechariah's first response is, how, how can I be sure of this? Like, how do I know this is going to happen? Me and my wife were already pretty old. You know, like, we, we're up in our age quite a bit. How do we know this is going to happen? It's, it's a, a very similar reaction to Abraham and Sarah. Uh, and the angel responds um, essentially by saying, because of this, this disbelief right here, uh, to kind of prove my prophecy, you are going to be mute until the time that your son is born. Um, so you got to think it's a bit of a heck, heck of a day for John, or for Zechariah, you know, he's just trying to, you know, go into the temple and burn incense, and he's told you're going to have a son, and now he can't speak. Um, and Luke flashes forward, you know, he goes through the prophecy of the birth of Jesus, and he goes through Mary's song, and Mary visiting Elizabeth, and we get the song Magnificat, which is just beautiful, and he jumps ahead and said, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. And they have all of these friends and relatives with her to celebrate the birth of the son. And on the eighth day, they circumcise him, and it's time for them to name the son. And so these friends and these family ask you, what will this son's name be? And she replies with, his name will be John. Um, and all of their friends, their relatives are kind of confused, like, John. You don't have any family members named John. Like, there's no one in this family. Where are you getting John from? Shouldn't he be named after his father, Zechariah? You know, they're just awfully confused. So they go to Zechariah, who cannot speak, and they say, what should the, your son's name be? And Zechariah grabs a tablet, and he writes, his name is John. Um, and, and Luke goes on to say that immediately his mouth was open and his tongue uh, was loose, and he began to speak praising God. Um, and so I just want you to imagine for a second that you are a relative or you are a friend of Elizabeth and Zechariah. Zechariah can't talk. Uh, you don't know what's happening. He just isn't talking. Elizabeth is insisting that the son be named John. And you don't know what's hap uh, happening. And all of a sudden, Zechariah, who hasn't been speaking for these several, several months, is on his knees bowing and praising God. And Luke goes on to say uh, that the neighbors were all filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. And there's a verse here, uh, verse 66, that I want us to key in on as we think about our expectations. It says, Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. The uh, entire circumstances of John's birth defied expectations. Uh, just from their, their old age being uh, considered uh, too old to have kids, from Zachariah going mute and not being able to speak to they choosing to name their son, a name that has no familial connection. His entire birth defied expectations, and the people were left wondering, what then is this child going to be? 
And Luke tells us, you know, Zechariah goes on to sing a song of praise. And then Luke ends his first chapter by saying, the boy grew up and grew to be strong, and he went into the desert to live. Mark isn't so concerned with, the Gospel of Mark isn't so concerned with the, the before of John the Baptist, but he is concerned with what happens when John the Baptist is on the scene. Mark opens his gospel in chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And he begins to say that John has come onto the scene. He has emerged as adult. He is no longer uh, some child. He is now this man and he has arrived on the scene, and he is preaching and baptizing in the desert and preaching a baptism for the repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Um, and the, it says the people from all over were coming to him and confessing their sins, and they're baptizing him. And he has this verse here, uh, verse 7, where people, I, I, they're, I'm sure they're wondering who exactly this man is, what role does he have to play for the greater Israel community? Um, and it said, he says, this was his message, what he is sharing with these people. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down, stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Israel people, for ever since they had be become enslaved and gone into captivity under the different regimes of the time, had been expecting and awaiting for the Messiah, for the Christ to come and to rescue them and to liberate them. And they, they had some ideas about what this would look like, but they weren't exactly sure. So they, all these people are wondering, could John the Baptist, could this be him? You know, he's, he's different enough. And John comes out and he, he quickly says, one, someone's going to come after me who is much more powerful than me. And I'm sure on the one hand, there are some who are disappointed that he said these things. You know, that kind of, he was a little out there. You know, he was, he was a little, he was the antithesis to the Roman Empire. And so I imagine there are some who are disappointed that John is saying, I, I am not the Messiah. I'm not the Christ you're looking for. And I'm sure... On the other hand, that there are those who were incredibly thankful that this man who's living in the desert, who wears camel, uh, camel fur clothing and eats locusts, is not the redeemer of Israel. People had expectations, and John the Baptist is, is trying to say, I am not the Messiah, but I am here to prepare a way for him. And I wish it could be as, as simply said and done with that and the people would buy into it. Like, okay, let's listen to his message that he has to share about the Messiah. But the reality is, is throughout his life, people are still going to kind of be wondering, oh, maybe, he's, maybe he's the guy. And John, in the Gospel of John, John picks this up. Uh, it says in John chapter 1, uh, this is beginning in verse 19. John has been, John the Baptist has been testifying, and it says, Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. 
He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. Um, see, at this point in his life, John the Baptist has quite the following. Uh, people are, he has disciples and people are intrigued by what he has to say for them and for the kingdom of Israel and what that means for them as they live in Roman um, captivity under Roman, Roman rule. And they're still wondering, they're still asking this question, is he, is he the Christ? Is he the Messiah? And John confessed freely, I am not the Christ. And they go on to ask him, well, who, who are you exactly? Are you Elijah? He says, nope, not Elijah. Okay, are you the prophet? And he says, no, I am not the prophet. I am just a messenger here to prepare the way for Christ. Um, and then finally, his story kind of begins to taper off as the gospels focus in on the life of Christ. In John chapter 3, this is one of my favorite texts in all of scripture. Um, Jesus has come onto the scene. And uh, in, in, in the gospel of John, it's been predominantly about John the Baptist right now. He's, he's the older cousin of Jesus. But Jesus has arrived on the scene and he is preaching his message. And John's disciples come to him and they ask him, hey, that, that man you were with, Jesus, who you were with, he is, he's baptizing people, and all of these people who were following you, all these disciples, they are leaving you to go follow him. You know, and this, this kind of underlying question, you're like, what, are you, what do you think of this? You know, what, what are you going to do about it? The fact that all your disciples are leaving to follow this Jesus of Nazareth. And it says at the end of verse 29 and in verse 30 of John chapter 3, it says, John replied, the joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. My role, my part to play has come, uh, has come to an end. Now Christ and his role, his uh, prominence must be where the attention at, where the focus is centered on, is on Christ, on Jesus of Nazareth. And when I think about here on December 26th, the Sunday after Christmas, when the world is beginning to ask, now that Jesus has come, now what? This is our message. This is our stance that we take. Um, he must become greater and I must become less. The challenge with this is that we ourselves are not free of placing our own expectations on Christ. We are not, uh, we are guilty of wanting Christ to be something that he is not at times. Um, I think about uh, over the past several, several months, I've been listening to uh, this podcast that, that dived into the story of this church that uh, at one point in their history was this, um, you could say was this force of nature uh, of a church. They just had a, uh, an impressive reach, an impressive gathering, and then seemingly at, at a certain point, overnight, uh, the church collapsed um, due to some unhealthy leadership and power dynamics and structure. This church that was thousands and thousands of people overnight was no more. And as I listen to this podcast and it's talking about church leadership, there's one quote 
from the kind of the lead minister that really stuck out to me. And he's at this conference, and he's talking to people, and he says, I do not want to follow a Jesus that I can beat up. You know, this idea of like, if Jesus can't beat me in a fight, I don't want to follow this Jesus. And I wish I could say that this idea was new, new to the Christian church, but the reality is even in the time of Jesus, part of the reason some people were so quick to reject him is that the Israel people were looking for a Messiah who had come into Israel and free them by force, free them by power from the Roman government. That the Messiah would be someone who controlled and commanded this army in this earthly kingdom of Israel and led them to freedom. One of the things that uh, I'm really excited about as we uh, launch into the spiritual formation journals as Patrick preaches through these things is we're going to see um, how God is def defines his kingdom and how Jesus defines who he is. One of the things that I, I, I've loved over the past several, several weeks is Patrick has constantly said, when we try to define who God is, why don't we start with what God has to say about himself? When the world is asking, now that Christ has come, what do we do? We, we need to take the stance of John the Baptist and say, he must become greater, I must become less. This, this church thing that we do, this, this Christian walk, is not about me. It is not about my own consolidation of influence or of power. It is not about what I think God should be doing or what I think the church should be like. It is about what God, what Christ has to say and how Christ has to live. Christ has come to bring peace on earth, to, to bring us, to allow us to enter into shalom. And I'll be the first one to admit that I don't always understand exactly how that is all going to work out. I'll be the first one to admit that I wish God at times would just be a little bit more clear or have left a little bit more of a um, detailed instruction list for how exactly his kingdom is going to be established. How exactly is peace on earth going to be revealed and accomplished? And I can find some comfort in knowing that I'm not the only one who has those questions. After the first service, I was talking with Butch Klimek, and uh, he read, uh, reminded me that even later on, John the Baptist is, is uh, he's been doing ministry. Jesus has been here for a while. And even John the Baptist, the messenger who has said, I'm here to prepare a way for the Lord, he is having his doubts. You know, okay, is Jesus actually... Is he actually the guy that is the Messiah? Like, is he the guy I've been preparing, my, preparing for? And he sends his disciples to ask, you know, just to confirm, like, hey, just make sure for me that all this stuff that, you know, I'm going to eventually die for, make sure that this is the guy that it's been for. You know, even John the Baptist has expectations for how this is going to play out that seem to confuse us at times. Next week, Patrick's going to conclude this Peace on Earth series. And, and this week is really more of this kind of a spin-off 
But I think it's important, you know, when people are asking, now that Christ has come, what do we do? You know, what, what's our message? I think as a church, we need more people to, sh- to proclaim the message of John the Baptist, that we are here not to uh, control things or make things about us as people, but to prepare the way of the Lord and to proclaim that God is greater than any one of us and that we, his kingdom and that his authority is supreme, that we have our part to play. Um, we, are, uh, we are accompanying him in his mission. That it is not about us, that it is about him. Uh, in a moment, uh, I'm going to uh, say a prayer for us just uh, as we get ready to have we, I want to invite the praise team to go ahead and, and join us. Um, we're going to, to worship just a little bit more. And I want to encourage you that if you've been, if you're wondering about you know, how, you know, how does, how does God plan on working in this? You know, if our message is to, is to prepare the way for him and just proclaim that he is greater, how is he going to do that? I want you to encourage to join us uh, as a church as we go through these spiritual formation journals, as we study through the New Testament where God is revealing how he plans to work in his kingdom, um, to join us in that. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your, um, thank you for your Son, and thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that as we, um, as we and the rest of the world are asking this question, you know, Jesus has come, Jesus is here, now what? That we can learn from uh, your messenger, John the Baptist, and that we can understand that we have a part to play in your kingdom, and that our lives can point to you, that we can be like a voice in the desert, crying, prepare the way for the Lord. I pray that you would bless us as we go about the rest of our morning, as we go through the rest of this week and into the new year. Lord, I pray that you become greater and that you receive the, the recognition and the worship that you need. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.